0: Hello, everybody. Welcome once again to Vineyard Community Church as we continue on in a series we're doing called Neighboring Well. Uh, we're 10 weeks in. This is the 10th weekend, so we've been we've been covering this for quite a while. Um, the series is about what I've called kingdom hospitality, and uh, we spent the first part of the series talking about taking a stand on behalf of our neighbors against the schemes and the tricks and the traps of the enemy, and we detailed uh, through those weeks the armor of God and what it looks like and what it means and and uh, so we've we spent a significant part of the series doing that. Last week I introduced uh, another concept in Kingdom Hospitality and I said it's really the foundation of the motivation for why um, we would not only stand on behalf of our neighbors and and uh, and yet the whole idea of hospitality as it's shown throughout the scripture was uh, is based on the grace of God the amazing grace of God and that that's the foundation and the motivation for hospitality and so it's very important that we take a look at and understand what this grace means to us and and then we understand how important it is to to walk in that grace to the world around us and and last week we I introduced the idea by looking at the um the the majority of the parable of the prodigal son we talked about the amazing grace of the father and the love of the father and all that that means and there was all the symbols involved and what it looks like and and i stopped short of finishing the parable and i said we would do that this week uh, because today i want to talk about the older brother's reaction um to the grace and hospitality of god and so we're gonna dig into that in just a moment before I go from the intro into the whole thing though the transition I like to tell you a bad joke Um, so I thought do you do you know the difference between an auction and seasickness one is the sale of effects and the other is the effects of a sale (laughs) (laughs) not bad Well, I don't want to leave you on something good did you hear about the guy who walked all day and only moved two feet that was all he had there's the bad one. So it was, it was all he had. He only moved two feet. All right. Then. scripture reading: Luke chapter 15, verses 25 through 32. It's the, por- it's the rest of the-, uh, the product. Meanwhile, the older son was in the field, and when he came near the house, he heard music and dancing. So he called one of the servants and asked him what was going on. "Your brother has come," he replied. "And your father has killed the fattened calf." because he has him back safe and sound. The older brother became angry and refused to go in. So the father went out and pleaded with him. But he answered his father, look, all these years I've been slaving for you and never disobeyed your orders. You never gave me even a young goat so I could celebrate with my friends. But when this son of yours who has squandered your property with prostitutes comes home, you kill the fattened calf for him. My son, the father said, you were always with me and everything I have is yours. But we had to celebrate and be glad because this brother of yours was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. Blessed be the word of the Lord. So here we have a, a really fascinating turn in this whole parable. Last week I said, you know, that grace is the hospitality of God to welcome sinners, not because of their goodness, but because of his goodness, God's goodness. And that the ultimate act of hospitality was, was when Jesus died for sinners uh, to make everyone who believes a member of the household of God. And so we, we introduce those ideas and, and, and we see this amazing picture of the grace of God poured out on the prodigal son when he comes home. And, and a celebration is in order and all these things happen. But the older brother, he is not very happy about the grace of God going to this son because he's sort of stayed there and he's worked and he's kind of, he says, well, I've always done what I'm supposed to do and, you know, there's no party for me. What's going on? I don't get it. I don't like it. I'm not happy about it. And the father, I love the, so this, this father was amazing, the love of the father because the, remember the father went run into the first son. Well, the father goes out to the second son too and says, everything I have is yours. It's, it's all yours. It's not about your having to work and all that. It's all yours. Um, and, and, and yet he had missed the idea and the concept of grace and I, I just think it's very important for us to talk about this because what happens historically in the church is that we, we understand the grace of God coming into the kingdom but then we move from grace to works and in our process and we, we then lose sight of what the grace of God is and and once we lose sight of the grace of God we become about rules and we no longer are effective in inviting people into the kingdom of God we, we actually are causing issues on getting people in so we, we need to understand this grace of God and, and understand how amazing it is the grace of God and how, how amazing it is that he welcomed the son who had walked away back in with you know open arms so we need to, to keep digging in so the word grace in the Greek is karis um, which means Well, oftentimes you hear about grace as as unmerited favor, but it means more than that. It's actually something um, that brings joy. It brings pleasure. It causes us to be thankful. The grace of God in operation does all those things, brings joy, brings pleasure, and causes us to be thankful. Certainly, we get that when it's being poured out on us. but, But when we see it being poured out on others, it should have the exact same effect in our lives. That's what the grace of God should do. It should bring us joy and pleasure and make us Thankful. and yet the older brother doesn't see it in the scripture reading because he doesn't see the movement of God um, demonstrated by the father to his brother as something that brought him joy in, in fact it made him angry and bitter and and then you know he just he went defensively on look at all I do for you and and you know I don't I don't see it returning this one who does nothing for you you welcome with open arms and so we we need to talk about this a little bit and explore this feeling because it's very normal and very common and um, in our own lives we have to expose it for ourselves so we don't get stuck in it because if you get stuck in that spot you get bitter and life is not what it should be for you like it's the older son should have been experiencing life in a way that he wasn't because he'd gotten this works thing on him and rather than enjoying all that the father had for him already which the father is all yours now he had he had moved himself into this place of serving but without love and he'd lost the joy that he should be able to experience in life and I I just see it as a big huge issue in the church so the first point your notes and the big question that we need to ask is this are we living for God or for us are we living for God or for us and see what's supposed to happen is as believers as followers of Christ we are a people of mission um, that's all part of, of what happens when we, we come to Christ. We become a people of mission. We have a, we have a purpose. We're, we're in effect called to enter a vineyard, labor in a vineyard with others for others. And this mission though has to be a labor of love, not of selfishness. And so we're not to compare um, uh, uh, the amount or length of our labor against others. In our, in our hearts we're to settle that what we do, we do for Him. And, and so um, there's a great parable about this process that I think is is perhaps one of the most heart revealing parables in the scripture and I and I, I love to think about this and and your honest reaction to this parable um, is is just I think really enlightens us as to where our hearts are and how we're feeling in the process and so this parable is in Matthew 20 it's 16 verses I'm gonna read them all and then we'll talk about it a little bit together Matthew chapter 20 verses 1 and following for the kingdom of heaven it's like a landowner who went out early in the morning to hire men to work in his vineyard he agreed to pay them a denarius for the day and sent them into his vineyard about the third hour he went out and saw others standing in the marketplace doing nothing he told them, you also go and work in my vineyard and I'll pay you whatever's right so they went he went out again about the sixth hour and the ninth hour and did the same thing about the eleventh hour he went out and found still others standing around he asked them why have you been standing here all day doing nothing all day long doing nothing. Well, because no one has hired us, they answered. And he said to them, You also go and work in my vineyard. When evening came, the owner of the vineyard said to his foreman, Call the workers and pay them their wages, beginning with the last ones hired and going on to the first. The workers who were hired about the eleventh hour came and each received a denarius. So when those came who were hired first, they expected to receive more. But each one of them also received a denarius. When they received it, they began to grumble against the landowner. These men who were hired last worked only one hour, they said. And you have made them equal to us who have borne the burden of the work in the heat of the day. But he answered one of them, Friend, I'm not being unfair to you. Didn't you agree to work for a denarius? Take your pay and go. I want to give the man who was hired last the same as I gave you. Don't I have the right to do what I want with my own money? Or are you envious because I am generous? So the last will be first. And the first will be last. Now having read that parable, point A under number one is this. How does that parable make you feel? If you're, if you're as honest as you can be with yourself, when you read that parable, how does it make you feel? And, and what well, I would submit to you that, that, so I can't tell you how you feel. I can tell you how it makes me feel, and I've studied this a lot to me, with, a, with all the balance of everything, and I'll get to where I'm going, but my, my initial reaction to that parable is it just doesn't seem fair to the people who worked all day that the people who worked an hour get paid the same. It doesn't seem right. I think in most of us, it makes us all kind of go, well, it's not right. Now, even if you take the story down, and I know that they agreed to work for that amount, but if you were the guy who'd worked all day in the heat of the day, and you got a denarius, let's call it, and it was a day's wage. It was good. Let's call it a hundred bucks. Or whatever, good, you know. But let's say you were you, you agreed in the, the beginning of the day to work for a hundred bucks, and you were happy to have a job and work for a hundred bucks. And some guy shows up at the end and works for an hour, sort of doing the cleanup when you've worked all day, and he gets a hundred bucks too. Your your part of you is not going to be okay. I mean, don't do you struggle with that? I do. I honestly think that's not right. That does not seem okay, in, in you know, in in all sorts of ways. But here's the big question, and why I think it's so, re- so revealing. So little letter B is this. So that's what you think, or what I think. B is, what do you think Jesus' reaction would be to this process? What do you think? Now if you stop and pull yourself out of it, what do you think Jesus' reaction would be to this story? And, and this was, now I'm submitting to you, this is my thought, having thought about this a long time. I don't have, you know, thus saith the Lord. My thought is this, that Jesus would have been happy to see people who didn't have work, get some work, and I think he would have thought it was really cool that they got paid more than generously. And if he was one of the workers, he'd have been blessed that his service for the day was a blessing to them, and he would have loved them by rejoicing with them in their blessing. I think that's that's how Jesus would have done it because he, that's his life. That's what he demonstrated. He demonstrated the cross. He demonstrated everywhere he went. He was happy to see people enter into and receive the grace of God. And he teaches this parable, and if you notice his parable, he says the kingdom of heaven, which is what we're trying to get, the kingdom of God. This is what the kingdom of God's supposed to be like. This is the kingdom of God, in essence, that, that we are all called to labor in a vineyard, and we're called there to work with and for people, and when other people get in, regardless of how that looks and what they do, we're to rejoice because we're not to compare what we do for God to what anybody else does to do does for God. All that matters is what we do for God. See, and and it's settling in that place that allows us to be a people who are welcoming to those who are not yet in and go out of our way to find opportunities to present the truth that we know to them. This parable, to me anyway, and I I love reading it all the time because it it just is eye-opening to me to see how selfish I can really be and, and uh, not in a bad beat yourself up sort of way but just in the reality of how far we have to go and how easy it is to slip into the older brother mentality see because I told the story this parable because a lot of us would go oh, no if I was the older brother I'd be great I'd be happy to see that happen and woohoo and I just don't think I think that the older brother is a picture of most of us that are already in the kingdom and, and that it's further defined in that parable that's exactly how we would feel it, was just, it doesn't seem fair so we we struggle with, and when, when we struggle with that, what that means is that we've slipped out of grace, which we desperately needed to get in, right? And we need it all the time. We slipped out of that, and we've moved into works and service. And we've moved in a whole different spot. And there's no life in works and There's just no life there. It's a miserable life. The people that come into the kingdom and get stuck in rule-following, duty, service, are not happy people. They're just not. They're just finger-pointer miserable people. And you go, you've got Jesus. What? what do you, why are you so miserable? And it's because they've shifted from grace into this other thing. So what we have to remember with this in mind, point number two, and I say this all the time, it's not all about me. It's not all about me. Anytime I say it's not all about me, I want to caveat that with, and write this next to that, it is some about me. You need to hang on to that. It's not bad that it's some about you. It's just not all about you. And yet we get that confused too. And because we we, some, we move from grace we desperately knew it wasn't all about me at that point we get into this thing and then somehow it starts to change and it becomes all about me the older brother was all about me what about me what about me what about me what about me and the father's like what, what do you mean what about you you're here I love you Any, what's all yours you're in you, you never left. You, you're good you're here and yet well no no it's not right see and it's a trap so it's not all about me it is some about me but not all in 1 Corinthians 15, in the message paraphrase in 48 and 49, and I love this paraphrase for this reason, it says this, the first man, Adam, was made out of earth, and people since then are earthy. The second man was made out of heaven, the second man, Jesus, and people can now, now can be heavenly. In the same way that we've worked from our earthy origins, let's embrace our heavenly ends. See, so here's the shift. Um, see, we've spent most of our big chunk of our lives working from our earthy origins and so in our earthy origins we've exalted at sin uh, we've excelled at sin, pardon me, we excelled at selfishness, we excelled at contempt both self-contempt and other-centered contempt, we've we approach life from an old dead way of thinking and again, I think that's what happens. We, we get into the kingdom and we get a new way of thinking and we shift into works and then that old dead way of thinking pops in again that's all sort of performance oriented and measuring what I do and, and comparing myself with everybody else in the process. And and what, the, what Paul is saying there under the anointing of the Spirit, he says, listen, why don't you take all the effort that you used to pour into your old way of doing things and, and put all of that into... God's way of doing things, the heaven way of doing things, the the kingdom of God way of doing things. Embrace His way for you. Embrace His life for you, uh, because it's available now. Make sure that you're taking time, and we talked about this, to push into His presence every day. Um, that that you know we can approach the throne of grace. The Bible says we talked about with confidence, um, because we need to. We need it. If we're not pushing into the presence of God to receive the grace that He has for us, we'll we'll get stuck in performance and works and life is no fun from that perspective and so, so we can go into the throne room of God to get the grace we need not because we deserve it but because he's made a way for us to do that and, and I think you know the reality and that's why I, I wanted to teach the reality of how easy we move into this other process this works thing this, this uh, lack of grace uh, the reality of how quickly we move there should help you to realize how desperate you are for His presence in your life, and and because I don't, if you, when you're desperate for His presence and you're spending time with Him, you get how desperate you need the grace, and it's then it's less likely to be, you know, well, this is what I've done for you, this is what I've done for you, this is what I've done for you, and it's just, look, Lord, um, you know what, it, it, everything is is for you, but but not, I don't expect to earn anything out of it. It's just because I love you, and Lord, whatever you need from me, and see, that's the process, and, and so. Life for us really takes shape when we when we realize how desperate we are for the his throne room perspective. And that only comes from spending time with him and, and pushing into his presence. Again, not because we deserve it, but the realization of how desperate we are for grace in our own lives keeps us in a spot that's very helpful and and, and and allows us then to begin life, to live the way we're supposed to. See don't point three is this, don't miss, don't miss the grace of God. Because I think that's what happens. We miss the grace of God. And in Hebrews twelve fifteen, the writer says this, See to it that no one misses the grace of God and that no bitter root grows up to cause trouble and defile many. And, and I, I believe that that is this whole thing here. If I don't rest in God's grace, I become bitter. And then my life actually has a negative impact on the people around me. Instead of helping people into the kingdom, helping people experience life, if I allow myself to get stuck like the older brother or, or the, the workers in the, in the vineyard that have been there a long time, if I get in that mind frame, I actually begin to have a negative impact on the lives of people around me um, because I, I'm bitter. And, and you can tell when people are bitter. It just there's nothing. They're, they're missing something that they desperately need to have. And they, they get stuck in all the rules and and you know well people aren't acting the way they're supposed to see you, people let's, let's settle that people don't act the way they're supposed to I don't act the way I'm supposed to let's just you know, you know what I mean I don't I, I whenever I put expectations on people I think how unfair that is because I can't even live up to my own expectations apart from the grace of God I got nothing I have nothing to offer but with the grace of God in the grace of God understanding my desperate need for the grace of God that's where life begins to make a difference And and I don't want to be bitter. I don't want to get all, this is what I do, and this is that, and this is that, because there's no life there. Life is found in living in and staying in the grace of God. And, and, And so, you know, I love that. See to it that no one misses the grace of God, including you. Don't miss it for yourself, let alone introducing other people to God's amazing grace. Make sure you're walking in it. Make sure you understand your need for it. Make sure you're pressing into the presence of God because you desperately need his grace, or you can't survive. Because life apart from it's not life at all. So God has given us this amazing grace, and we have responded to it. Make sure you hear this. We've responded to it ahead of the rest, not instead of the rest. Sometimes we start thinking that that, but we've just responded to this message of good news ahead of the rest. Uh, And and not instead of the rest. And that that we're to live this thing out in a way that impacts the rest so that they can come in to know the grace of God as well. Because his heart, the heart of God, is that everyone would experience his grace and, and receive the offer he made available to them at the cross so that they can become a part of his family forever. That's the heart of God. That's why he went to the lengths that he went to. And so we sort of have this thing where we can participate in God's grace or we can choose not to and it's, it's, it's the story of these parables we can become like the older brother and miss the heart of God we can become like the workers in the field who can't rejoice with those who came in later because we're comparing our efforts to theirs or we can decide that we'll participate we'll be a people of mission and participate in God's grace and when we do real life is found we experience the life that God intended us to in that process and so we, we sort of choose. Who are we going to be? Are, are we, are we going to become like the older brother and, and just sort of go miserable? Or are we going to desperately understand our need for God, continue to press into it every day, into the presence of God, not because we've earned it, but because we're desperate for it, and meet with Him there. And then out of that, out of that perspective, move through life and experience the life that we're called to next week I'm going to talk about being an instrument of God's grace because that's what he calls us to be not like the older brother but he wants us to be instruments of his grace people who understand his grace desperately need his grace and then, and then demonstrate that grace allow that grace to move through them to touch and change people's lives around us in a positive way for the kingdom of God and so we're going to talk about that next week when we get together but, but those are, I thought were some pretty good things for you to think about this week you know who are you living for you or for God and what does that really look like and, and ponder that parable uh, in Matthew 20 and be, you know, actually ask yourself how do you, does it make you feel? How do you, how do you really feel and what does that reveal in you? and then, and then realize it's not all about me but, but some about me which is great but it's just not all about me and, and you know do I want to participate in the grace of God and experience life or, or do I want to be bitter like the older brother? don't miss the grace of God So think about those things next week and we'll pick up our discussion there. When we get back together, if you're watching uh, on video or by television, thank you for doing that. If you need prayer, go to our website. There's a prayer page and you can uh, submit your prayer request. We'll pray for you. We'd love for you to come and visit sometime and be with us. We're here all weekend, pretty much. So, uh, So come and see us. But that's it for today.